Welcome back to Leaders of Color. On today's episode, we're joined by Emma Balliet, who just finished her third year of university at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. As a Korean Filipina, she is excited to be featured on the podcast and currently majoring in political science with a minor in French. She hopes to attend law school in the near future and pursue a career in the legal field. In addition to being a student, though, she is also the membership manager for We Make Change Canada, which is a chapter of the international organization We Make Change. We Make Change has the vision of connecting skilled volunteers with NGOs and social enterprises in order for them to use their skills to make the change they want to see. Her role as a part of the We Make Change Canada team is to reach out to Canadian NGOs and social enterprises and connect them with skilled volunteers, which they refer to as change makers. Being a part of this team has been super exciting and fulfilling for her as she's been able to connect with and work with so many different people across the world. It has also been very inspiring and encouraging to see all of the great work that people do in Canada and help their communities and other people in need. And with that, just want to say a huge welcome to you, Emma. Hi, thanks for having me. How have you been doing the past little while? Are you still in Hamilton? No, I'm actually back at home in Mississauga. I finished up exams a couple weeks ago, and now I'm just back at home with my parents, um, working full time. So it's been a, it's been interesting. Yes, I, I can imagine. At least you're still, well, maybe not at least, but you're still in Ontario, which yeah. means that you're very familiar with the COVID protocols in place here. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to, to enjoy yourself at all while trying to stay safe indoors? Back in Hamilton, I lived with my roommates during the year and we all decided to go back. We also had to pay our rent. So we're like, oh, we might as well just go back during the school year, even though it's, it's all online. And we were able to do little things, you know, just the six of us. We threw our own parties, our own movie nights, just the six of us. We went on walks together. That's the, the best you can do. Wow. That's a lot of roommates. Yeah. Is that common in your university? Yeah, it's pretty common. I think we're okay. about the average. There's like some houses have eight, up to eight. Really? Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. I, I didn't go to school in Ontario, but I have heard the stories of like people renting these big houses and having mm-hmm. like, a bunch of roommates yeah. all together. Very, very cool. But, well, I'm glad you've gotten to have at least a little bit of fun with the restrictions in place and, and being safe while doing so. Tell us a little bit about your organization and what brought you to want to be on the podcast. Yeah, so I'm a part of this organization called We Make Change Canada, which is a part of the greater organization called We Make Change. It's international. And this chapter in Canada just opened up last summer. And I was recruited as the membership manager. And what this organization does worldwide is it connects volunteers, skilled workers and skilled volunteers specifically from all over the world to social enterprises and different NGOs. And it gives them the opportunity to volunteer with multiple different organizations. They don't have to just stick to one. They can use their skills across the world to help other NGOs. And in Canada, what we're doing is establishing a community of change makers and volunteers and getting people to sign up and then connect with Canadian NGOs and offering their their skills. So what got you first started in wanting to be a part of this work, especially with an international organization coming to Canada? Yeah, so it's actually a really interesting story. Uh, I was talking to one of my professors at McMaster, my political science professor, and she recommended that I speak to one of her past students just for networking opportunities. And he actually works for the UN. And I just had a quick chat with him just to see what his work was doing and 
what he was doing for the UN. And he also suggested that I join this organization. His friends actually are a part of this organization. And he was, he knew that they were starting a chapter in Canada. So he suggested that I apply and he, he recommended me to his friend. And that's kind of how I got on board with, with We Make Change Canada. It was through a network, I guess you could say. So what does the work that you do look like? Yeah, so it's actually very inspiring what I get to do. I get to reach out to NGOs and social enterprises in in Canada. So what I do first is I research them. What we like to do is pick five sustainable development goals that the UN has, and we like to focus on them. So for example, we focus on reduced inequalities or environment. And so what we do is we find organizations like NGOs and social enterprises that match up with those goals. And we research them online, we go on their Facebook, we go on their, um, their Instagrams, and we reach out to them via LinkedIn or email, and we ask them if they want to sign up through We Make Change as a member. And online, we have an application form for organizations who can apply to host their organization through our portal. And then what happens are Canadians can sign up from all over the world. Canadians and people all over the world can sign up and see these organizations and offer their, their skills. So my job is to just reach out to NGOs and social enterprises, research them, connect with them, and let them know who we are and how we can help further their organization. So it sounds like you're connecting like volunteers with a specific skill set yes. to do work in sort of the charitable nonprofit sector. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's a bit different than most networks, you could say, because it's focused on skills. So when volunteers sign up on our site to be change makers, they have to pick a certain skill, whether it be marketing or legal or or finance. And then organizations, when they advertise themselves through us, they advertise that they're in need of a marketing worker, they're in need of a a legal volunteer. And that's how we we match them up. So it's cool that I get to see all of the different work that NGOs are doing across Canada. And it's quite inspiring. So you mentioned that you kind of got through this through networking with your with one of your professors. Mm-hmm. What motivated you to stay in it, though? Like, I get the appeal of, of making that connection. But right. what is it that drives you to stay in this position? Mm-hmm. I think what I liked, especially about We Make Change, was that it was a, a club that was separate from my school. As a student, a lot of people like to look at clubs. And I'm a part of clubs in my university. But I wanted to also be a part of something that was not directly connected to a school, maybe something that was international, that was doing more Canada-wide work. So when We Make Change kind of came along, it just seemed like something that was perfect and interesting and it was new. And what really want, made me stay, I think, was the community and especially my, my team. They're so supportive and hardworking and passionate. And I think that's what really made me stay was the cause and, and the people who are involved. So what does your team look like? Who's it made up of? So we have two presidents. We have a marketing and social media person. We have a researcher. And then we also have a membership manager, which is me. And then we also have um, one who reaches out to volunteers and, and change makers specifically. So it's quite a small team for starters. And have you folks had to face any sort of difficulties with COVID in, in gathering together as a team? Or because it's such an international sort of feel in terms mm-hmm. of the actual organization? Has it been super easy to transition? It's been a pretty easy transition because we kind of started during COVID. Our chapter opened up last summer. So COVID was already a thing. So what we did was just went to Zoom. Everyone just kind of, we, our meetings were held on Zoom. And even the international organization itself, I think it was already set up 
using Slack, using Zoom, because they're so connected already. They had to do online meetings. So it was it was an easy transition for the international organization. And I think Canada's team was just able to mirror that. So during this kind of work, often we find that young people face different challenges. Most of the mm-hmm. time, it's funding or some sort of resource <laughs> that they need to, to receive that they're not getting access to. Or I should say that we're not getting access yeah. to. Actually. Um, but it looks like because you've been in such an international sphere that maybe mm-hmm. you've been able to address those differently. What have those challenges looked like for you? I think mainly for our chapter, it's it's definitely been reaching out to organizations. It's almost like you're trying to pitch the organization to them, even though it's a, it's a completely free service. You're still trying to sell yourself to organizations and show them how we're able to help them. And because we're so small, a lot of the organizations wonder how we're going to help them if we don't have a big community of volunteers that have signed up, up yet. So I think the biggest challenge is, is us, you know, just kind of getting the ball rolling, getting as many volunteers to sign up, getting as many organizations to, to sign up as well. So that's been the hardest part. Right now we have four established members, organizations, and maybe a couple dozen volunteers. So I think that's the biggest challenge is just growing our our community in Canada and growing our footprint in Canada specifically. And how have you been trying to tackle these challenges given the additional sort of piece of, of not being able to go and meet mm-hmm. with people and, and that sort of thing? I guess if you've been able to adjust digitally, that yeah. kind of helps. But what have you been doing to navigate that? I think it's a it's a team it's a team initiative because there's a lot of things that go into me reaching out to organizations, you know, the marketing manager helps with promo and make sure we're out there on social media. Then we have our presidents who guide us. And we have also the international organization who trains us. They're very connected to us as well. So they're always available when I need to reach out or ask for advice on how to, on how to connect with NGOs. So I think what we've been trying the most is just being consistent consistently researching, consistently emailing out, and consistently having calls with with NGOs and social enterprises. And that's how we've been tackling it. And so far, I think it's slow, but it's getting there. It's getting there. And what does that look like in terms of, I guess, getting support from an international body versus doing this work here in Canada? Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting how the international organization has been able to be so connected to each of us. I'm pretty connected with the COO of the organization. It's really easy for me to just send him a WhatsApp message and, and ask him for advice, or he's sometimes on calls with Canadian organizations trying to help me out too. They usually use a lot, utilize Slack to put out information. They host training sessions over Zoom. So sometimes we go into Zoom calls or each, each chapter across the world is called a national community. And when we have these national community meetings, you see people from the Philippines, you see people from the U.S., you see people from, from everywhere. And it's, it's so cool that everybody just gets to work a part of this organization together. And also that the international organization is just so readily available to, to each of us all over the world. So in looking at some of the, the challenges that we face often, I think it's easy to forget that there can be small or even medium successes that help us keep going as they happen. Mm -hmm. With all the new things that you've been doing, creating this branch here in Canada, 
Right. What does that look like for you? What does success look like? How have you been fulfilled in doing this work? Mm-hmm. I think success for me, I, I usually get very excited when a new member signs up or when a new member emails me back and says, oh, I'm re- yes, I'm interested. I'd like to schedule a call to learn more. And then I get defeated when I do call them and they don't reply back or I send out an email because sometimes I'm sending out like hundreds of emails and only getting maybe 10 replies. So it can be discouraging. So I think I like to find those milestones. Even just one organization signing up is worth it or even one callback, you know, is worth it in the end for me. And, and that's a win. And I think it also helps because my, my team supports me and we support each other with these little wins. Even though they're, they're small, we still count them as, as wins. And even just being able to see the work that each organization does, researching all of the NGOs that are helping you know, indigenous communities, people that are helping homeless people and their pets, there's just so much good that I'm able to see and reach out to these people. And I think that in itself is a win. So what does that look like for you in terms of a particular success story that has happened? Has there been a moment that stuck out to you where you were like, this is why I want to keep doing it. And, mm. and this is what it actually is worth. It sounds like there's a lot of issues like societal issues that are are being supported in this work, which is great. But have any of them had a pull to you that requires you to to keep pushing when it comes to doing this work? Mm. And there hasn't been an exact moment, I think, where it was like, yes, this is what'll keep me going. And this is what'll, you know, inspire me. I think every single time I read the mission of an NGO, or I see a, a change maker or a young person who has an organization that they created themselves, and they're helping, for example, homeless people and their pets. Every single event, I think, just kind of adds up and makes it worth it. There hasn't really been one major one, I'd say, but rather just like a collection of inspiring people and inspiring missions. Especially during COVID times, it's it's very hopeful to see the good that's still very prominent. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like, COVID has forced a lot of us to pause and stop if we're mm-hmm. so privileged to be able to to pause and stop. But then what we see around us is just terrible half the time. (laughs) Yes. Not more than half the time. So it's great to hear that you've been able to focus on something that is more tangibly good than Mm -hmm. it is. Exactly. Yeah. And so how has your community helped support this kind of work? You mentioned earlier that your team is a big part of that, but I wonder how that plays out in terms of helping you navigate some of the challenges that you've had. Mm -hmm. And also just, again, during this time that's so difficult for folks to be able to have a community that's collectively committed to something and can support one another as you navigate it. Yeah, I I definitely think what our team is good at is, is seeing where the need is at, at each moment. So we have a monthly meeting and usually we kind of gauge, you know, where we're weaker and where we need more help. And most of the time, and in recent times, it's been we're not getting enough organizations to, to sign up or we're not getting enough volunteers to sign up. So a lot of the team, what they'll do is they'll send me organizations that they find or connections that they make with people and and they'll send them over to me and say, oh, hey, this organization looks interesting. Why don't you schedule a call with them? Or this organization messaged us on Instagram, so email them. So it's been a pretty collective effort, I think, with my team and helping me 
find those organizations because it is daunting sometimes to look for all these different organizations, email them collectively. So it's definitely finding them, which they've helped me with the most. And how do you go about that process? What does it look like for you in doing this outreach work? Mm -hmm. How does that work for you? Like, what's your process? Yeah, so usually what I do is we have a, a mass Excel sheet, which has the organization's name, their mission, their initiatives, their contact, and then their, their email or their social media. So usually what I do when I look for organizations is I Google is my friend. <laughs> so I'll, I'll look up whether it be volunteer sites. So I'll look for organizations who are already looking for volunteers, and then I'll search them or I'll go on social enterprise networks across Canada or in Ontario specifically. And, and by province, I look at as many NGOs as I can and I'll put them in this Excel spreadsheet. And then I will send each of them an email or sometimes I'll connect with them on LinkedIn and send them a message asking them, like letting them know who our organization is, what we can do for them, that it's a free service, and then sending them over to some links that they can look at um, for more information and asking if they'd like to schedule a call if they need any more information. And that's usually my process. And then after that, sometimes people will just sign up automatically with the link that I send them, or they are interested and they do want to call about it and learn more. And sometimes they want to connect with the CEO or the president to actually learn more about the international organization itself. I mean, that's usually the process that, that, you know, that I take. So how many provinces are you and or territories are you currently operating in? So we're, we're researching NGOs and social enterprises across all uh, provinces and territories. Obviously, they're more concentrated in Ontario, for example. There's, there's way more, but we are researching multiple across all of, all of Canada. After I go through this process of, of researching and, and finding these NGOs, I can get to connect with either the CEOs of those organizations or uh, any of those workers or volunteers that are part of it. And I get to chat with them and, and learn about what their vision is for their specific organization. And, and what I get to do is see how that aligns with our mission of, of the SDGs, the UN SDGs that we're pursuing. And what I really get to do is also recognize kind of where each organization's heart is. And it's really interesting to see how passionate people are about their specific cause and how many different visions there are across Canada, but how they all ultimately align in the end to really just make the country a better place. And I think also what this organization does is it, it tries to steer away, especially from anything political. It, it's very, it's very neutral and what it likes to do is just enable Canadians to find organizations and missions that connect with them and and they can use their skills to further that. Yeah, that's probably the the most fulfilling part of of researching and even just creating a, an Excel spreadsheet. And so how does this align with sort of the work that you want to do in your own community? Mhm. So when I was looking in, in maybe like grade nine and in high school at, at organizations to volunteer for, and even just looking to what I wanted to do with my life, I always kind of went back to human rights. So that was my big thing for a while was, was human rights. And I didn't know exactly how I wanted to help people, but I just knew that I, I wanted to. And then as I got to university and started taking courses 
in social sciences, I realized that I really liked political science. And once I got into political science, I realized that I wanted to go to law school. And throughout that whole journey, what I got to do, especially through my courses in political science, was really see the world and see the problems with the world. And it actually made me kind of a cynical person because I started to see how much was wrong and honestly how bad things were and how bad people can be. And that's kind of what tainted my view of the world. But participating in organizations like this and really being able to see how people are trying to help all the time. And it's a consistent force that we don't learn about in school all the time. We don't really learn about the good all the time. We're mostly writing papers about why certain governments are bad or why, you know, certain countries are bad. And what this organization kind of does for me specifically is, is give me that optimism back and just be able to see the world through, you know, a better lens and how there are people pushing back kind of from the bottom up rather than, you know, top down processes. There's a lot of people from the bottom helping their communities, making really small change that you don't really get to see all the time in the news. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that idea of focusing on the grassroots and and trying to amplify the voices that are there mm-hmm. and the, the projects that are there and what what people are doing consistently. That's what we that's what we try to do as a yeah. grassroots organization. <laughs> So definitely resonate with that. What are some of the opportunities that are available for young people to get involved in the work that you're doing and to become a change maker? What does that look like as a process? Yeah, so it's it's pretty simple. It's a very easy process. I'd say specifically for Canadians, what they can do is is follow us on Instagram because then there there's updates there. We're going to be hosting an event soon in conjunction with Team USA. That's coming up soon. And what they can do next is go on to wemakechange.org. And there is where they can sign up to be a volunteer and get connected to the organization. And they can you know, offer up their skills and be able to really make a difference within the country and even across the world. And it's a very easy process. I would say go to the website, check us out and, and sign up and you know get connected and you'll get newsletters and information on how to get more involved. Yeah, that's what, that's what I would say to them. <laughs> Amazing. So for folks who are interested in volunteering, hopefully they can, they'll have the opportunity to reach out and try and get involved in some way. Mm-hmm. If it's a fit for them. Before we let you go, we have a segment that we call how I would end racism. Because as young leaders of color, we're constantly actually trying to reduce the harm racism causes, mm-hmm. both on ourselves as well as within our communities, while we fight to end it, hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but imagine if we could do so instantly. Right. If only we could actually dream. But <laughs> in your best pitch, what would you do to end racism? My favorite go-to is the Thanos snap of like <laughs> ridding the world of racism with the snap of my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what would you do? I would say, hmm. I think because I'm such a big Harry Potter fan, especially when I was younger, not so much anymore. But when I was younger, I was I was obsessed with Harry Potter. I definitely get Hermione to use her time turner but I'd also maybe there's some sort of spell so you could go back in time to like any you know go back in time and just kind of fix everything with with some sort of spell and then you know come back to the present and everything is fine we're like gonna decolonize like really yeah like really get into the the concept get rid of anything that 
honestly amazing. I'm I'm so down for that. Maybe we can use the time turner to go back and make JK Rowling not be transformed. Oh yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> oh, that really broke my heart. I, just, I know. But then I, I started looking back. I was like, wait, she did name a character Cho Chang. So yes. <laughs> I guess I should have known. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of us were just like, you know, we, we didn't clock this yeah. when we looked it. Exactly. But now we know better. And as a result of knowing better, we have to do better, right? Mm-hmm. Maya Angelou. And so, so yeah, so hopefully we, we can do that. Um, but yes, I'm all for this time turner back to decolonization mm-hmm. or rather going back to decolonize. Yep. And who knows, maybe one day that'll be possible. Maybe, you never know. And things are, so. I have no idea. I'm in political <laughs> science, so I don't know. <laughs> but Me this- too, exactly. My science is in the arts. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll leave it up to the, the laboratory folks. Yeah, the physics people. Exactly. And then they can let us know when we can hop in our time machine and back to the future. This yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Emma. Well, thank it was you. To have you. Thank you so much. And keep pushing and hopefully we'll see great things from you. Yeah. Thank you for having me again. Hope you have a great, great night. Bye.